You know, I am a believer that God has blessed everybody with gifts and talents. Um, but more family, the Lord has blessed your family with music. I mean, just to hear that, that is music from heaven. Um, that's why I hate following up. But you're gonna but you're gonna help me out with this. Oh come let us adore him. Oh come let us adore him. Oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord. Father, anoint us empower us, and may we change lives because of what the Spirit does in our own lives and what the Spirit does in our communities. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That almost sounds like an I don't know if it's not an oxymoron, but just repetitive. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Does, does it make sense? It's for freedom that he set you free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do any of you know who Robert Smalls is? Anybody know who Robert Smalls is? I mean, when we hear about... Slaves of, of old, we hear, uh, we hear names like Harriet Tubman and we hear uh, Frederick Douglass, but Robert Smalls is not too well of a known name, but he was a wheelman upon the Confederate steamer CSS Planter in Charleston, South Carolina. Now when Planter's white crew had taken an unauthorized shore visit and leave, on May 13th, Smalls gathered a, a small company of people, and they sprung into action. After commandeering their ship, he went and picked up his family and their families, and they disguised themselves as crewmen of the ship. Well, they had to get past all of the, the Confederate fire, and as they made it through, then they turned up the speed and made it to what we call part of the North, part of the Union. And all they could do is, because they knew that if they saw a Confederate ship coming, it's time for us to fire. And they said, we have guns for you, we have everything, we surrender all to you. And he was free. Which, can you imagine that feeling? Maybe you can't. I don't even think, I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, I don't think most of you understand what kind of freedom he felt there. But his life was not over. I'm free and that's it. Yeah, we're done. Woo, I'm glad. Actually, he was claimed with some of his accomplices as heroes in the North. And what they did is he actually recruited soldiers 
black soldiers to come along and say, we do not agree with slavery, and they fought for the North, for the Union, and eventually he went back to the South. You think, why in the world would you go back to where you were enslaved? But he goes back to the South because he wanted to transform other lives. He wasn't in the business for himself. I am free. That's it. I'm done. Sorry, guys. You should have come with me. He said, I want to transform other lives. So he actually bought his old master's home. And he served on the U.S. House of Representatives for years, trying to change lives of people that were enslaved the way he was. Do you know that even within our denomination, I am very proud, and if you don't know this history, I am very proud of our Seventh-day Adventist heritage that overall we were an abolitionist denomination before we became a denomination. Do you guys know who John Byington is? Does it, do anybody know who John Byington is? Well, he was our first uh, general conference president, first thing. Do you know that he was, he was actually a, a, he was an Episcopal, and, and he was part of this church, and when they, when he realized that they were opposing abolition, he left. He said, I'm not a part of this. I believe that Jesus Christ has set all people free. And do you know that at one point, it is believed that his home, his own home, was one of the stops on the Underground Railroad. Even within our own heritage, we have believed that Jesus Christ has set all people free. That is great. Because we are free. And it says here, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I hope that this is no surprise. But we as the church are in the business of transforming lives. Now, you know I'm not saying that we are the ones who transform them. Hopefully, you understand. I'm talking about the Spirit. But we are in the business of transforming lives. In Romans chapter 2, it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His, perf- his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed. Don't conform. Now, do you know what that pattern means? That pattern is a set pattern that anybody has set up for you, inside or out of the church. If somebody has set a pattern for you and you are just trying to conform to it, that is not transformation. Do you understand that? Actually, the two words that are used... I just want to share this with you. The two words that are used, now remember, I like, I like Hebrew way more than Greek, um, but I will still read this to you, and they're super long words, is suske matisomai. That word is conform. Be not conform, or 
It says actually don't conform. And that means to, full, to form or mold one's behavior in accordance with a particular pattern or set of standards. So he says don't try to conform, don't try to mold yourself into somebody else's mold. Okay? Don't try to, anybody ever make cookies with molds? Yeah. Don't try to fit into that mold as the way that God has made you. It says actually be transformed, which means to, which is, it's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's metamorpho omai. And it means to change the essential form or nature of something. Be changed, transformed. Don't just conform to what other people have set for you. Be transformed. You know, back in Old Testament time, with the Exodus, remember, when, when Jesus talks about deliverance and salvation, it is always in reference to four major events that happen in the Old Testament. You've got creation, you've got the exile, you have the Exodus. You, you have these events that happen in Old Testament, and a lot of it surrounds around the Exodus. Now, do you realize that the Exodus were not all Israelites? There was a people called the mixed multitude. And these people were Egyptians that didn't want to be part of the destruction of Egypt. They were convinced enough, we have just seen 10 plagues where a lot of people died. We'd like to go with you. And so they end up going. But I believe, and actually a lot of Jewish scholars and Christian scholars believe this, that the mixed multitude are the source of a lot of the problems that you read about in the Torah. When they're making golden calves, I have a feeling that the mixed multitude is like, we need to do something here, you know? I know you guys follow this God, but we've got other gods, and, and the more gods, the better, right? The more, the merrier. Let's do this. Remember the ones that complained about the food? Oh, remember what we used to eat in Egypt? Do you really think the slaves that were in Egypt, the, the Israelites are like, oh, wow, I, I really miss the food that we ate? I really have a feeling that they were not the ones that were being fed, well fed. But the mixed multitude is, oh, we used to eat leeks, and we, oh, we used to eat all this great food. And now we got manna every day for every meal. They sounded like my kids. <laughs> oh, we got leftovers. Ugh. And God is saying, ay, ay, ay. But the mixed multitude was there not necessarily to have a life change. You know, the Israelites were there because they wanted a change of life. The mixed multitude was there with, to avoid judgment. Do you see the difference? I don't know if a light bulb just went, light bulb. There are people in here and in our churches that are not here for life transformation. They are here because they want to avoid judgment. 
They, they think, well, heaven is probably the better alternative to burning, so I better go to church, and I better pay my tithe. But they don't want the Spirit to transform them. And that's why they hold to both worlds, hoping that they're letting go of the world just enough that God will accept them so they can avoid judgment. Do you see that? But is that what God wants? Does God want you to be here just to avoid judgment? No. He wants to make your life better. He wants to transform it. He wants you to feel free because it is for freedom that you have been set free. Transformation. Ay, ay, ay. So Paul says this in Galatians 5 verse, verse 2. We're going to start with verse 2. 5 verse 2 says this. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, and remember, it's probably not just circumcision that's the issue. There are a lot of things going on with this. Christ will be of no value to you. If you follow these Jewish traditions instead of accepting the grace of Jesus, then Christ means nothing to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Man, that is powerful. If you are trying to be justified by law, then Christ has no value to you. Do you see how deep that statement is? Christ means nothing to you if you are trying to avoid judgment by keeping the law. Do you remember my first statement? My first statement was, we are in the business of what? Transforming lives. Now let me ask you this. Does law transform lives? No, it doesn't. Because we can set as many laws within this country or within this church, and I'll tell you, it doesn't transform lives. Or our penal system wouldn't be needed. We could close down all of our prisons because we've set laws that have transformed lives. No, that doesn't transform a life. He says, the spirit of love is what transforms a life. So the source of righteousness, if you look there uh, in verse, I believe it's in verse 5, it says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. It is through the Spirit that it's our source of righteousness. Let's continue. Verse 7. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. 
A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. By the way, I think that reference, he's saying that mixed multitude is affecting the whole group. All right? They're affecting everybody. Everybody's bowing to this calf because there's a few that want you to bow to the calf. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, now this is crazy. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you ever think the, the Bible isn't graphic, there's a, you know, if you want to, you go watch these movies, and if you let your kids read this Bible, <laughs> there's some crazy stuff they say in this. He says, if they're going to say you have to cut off this and cut off that and cut off this, hence circumcision and other things, that your business is about cutting off things of your life, I wish they'd. Whoever's agitating you, I wish they'd go the whole way and cut everything off. Do it. Go the whole way. But cut yourself out of our group. Quit being toxic. Because that's what you're doing. If you are toxic, please don't affect the rest. Because a little yeast affects the whole dough. Let's continue. Galatians 5, verse 13. It says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. I want you to know that. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But here's the transformation. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Before we go to the next, do you realize, I want you to, to know this. It, well, hopefully you know this about me, and I want you, hopefully, to adhere to this. In John 13, 35, it says this, they will know that you are my disciples because you have took, taken off your jewelry. Is that what it says? I really hope not. I'm reading the wrong Bible if that's what it really says. He says, they will know that you are my disciples because you have given up meat. Is that what it says? Am I getting this wrong? Am I reading the wrong translation? They will know that you are my disciples even because you worship in a church on a certain day. Is that what it says? How come I'm only hearing one No. You should know this verse by heart. It says, you, they will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Love is the heart of transformation. And people will know that you are connected to Jesus Christ because you love on people. Even if they are different than you even if they believe differently than you, even if their lifestyle, no matter what it is, is different than yours, if you love one another, you can't go wrong. And that transforms lives. 
It does not transform lives for me to tell you what you need to cut out of your life. What transforms lives is if I walk on a journey with you and show you love and eventually show you a better way. Let's continue. Because if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires that it, what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know what this is saying? If you are in relationship with the Spirit you don't have to worry so much about that lifestyle stuff. The Spirit will do His work. He'll transform you. Isn't that gospel? So guess what? We don't need guards and keepers to check off what people have done or what they wear or what they eat. or what. We don't have to do that. Do you know, at my first church, my first church, when I got put into this church, which, praise the Lord, it was my first church, it had just gone through a split. If you've heard of Shepherd's Rod, and, and they were in that church right before I got there, and one lady during the interview said to me, she said, what is your view on grace? And, and she said, we had a, a member who used to come who wore a red dress. And one of these saints that left told her, you look like somebody who is working on the streets. You probably need to change your clothes. And that lady never walked back into the doors of that church. And I do not blame her. Because we are not in the business of determining what is right and wrong for you. That is the Spirit's business. Because he has a lot more power than I do and you do. And he is the one who will transform lives. And this is what the Galatians is about. What this whole thing is about is, is Paul saying you don't understand where the source of this power is that will transform lives. You are resorting to the traditions and you think that you're going to be right with God because you're keeping everything legally. That does not actually transform people and your church will eventually die. But if you want to see transformation, you got to connect them to the Spirit. Boom, plug them in, plug them in. That's all it's saying is plug them in. Remember that commercial, plug it in? That's what he's saying. Plug them in and you'll have the aroma of the Spirit. Oh, you like that? Plug it in. I just came to, you know, that just came to me. So, man, I'm brilliant. I'm just joking. Verse 19 says this. The acts 
of sinful nature are obvious. So he's, he's logically taken them through this. He said, I'm not telling you that we don't want transformation. We want real transformation. We want changed lives. I'm not telling you your life is going to stay the same. It will not. But they're, but they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and, and everything like that. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are things against the Lord, and you're destroying lives by doing this. But guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, patience, or peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step, or let us walk with the Spirit. By the way, I don't know if you caught that or if you've ever read this or heard this. Do you see irony that it says the works of the flesh is a plural? Here's the works, boom, boom, boom. But the fruit is not, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, does it? It says the fruit. Ironically, they're plural in our mind. There were nine. But there are one. He said, as you are transformed, there is one fruit. Now, there are many parts to a fruit. You have seeds, you have the flesh, you have the skin. But he says, it will all start forming together at its own timing. And if you've ever gone picking fruit in Michigan, you got blueberries, you got apples. Oh, you know, I used to live, when I went to Andrews my last year there, we, I lived off campus with a couple of guys, and there were vineyards on the way. So in the fall, oh, I, I would just put my windows down and just drive, and I'd drive real slow unless a car was following me, and, and just smell the vineyards. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But if you know, there are times when you're blueberry picking, there are fat blueberries, and there are blueberries not ready. There are the real dark ones, and there's some that have the, the greenish part on it. Guess what? They're both blueberries. But they develop at a different rate. Isn't that great? That the way I develop in Christ is not the way that you have to develop in Christ? We're, we're, sto we're still both fruit, but it's just timing. How it matures is different. So, so maybe God is working with me a little bit more with the self-control, or maybe a little bit more with patience, maybe even kindness. But as long as I'm connected to the plant, I will develop. Somebody picks me too early, then I won't develop anymore, right? Isn't that what we do? He says, don't, it's better that they cut off. When we try 
to mold that blueberry into what I want, it's no longer connected to the Spirit. This whole thing, this whole thing is about if you really want transformation, Galatians, if you want to see lives empowered, then it has to be connected to the Spirit. And you got to let the Spirit do what the Spirit wants to do. Because if you stick your hand in there and you try to do it your way, you will kill things. There is a young lady, her name was Didi. Her name is Didi. Um, I don't know if that is a pseudoname or if it is her real name. I got to be careful how I tell this story because it's a, it's a little bit tough, um, maybe for young ears. Didi saw her first signs of abuse when she was four years old. When her father, who was from a different country where prostitution was allowed, starting, started letting friends have their way. Um, he would be in the room so that nothing worse would happen to her as a, as a young lady. Well, as a young, not a young lady, a toddler. And she said, I was so conflicted because I saw my dad. He was protecting me. Yet letting things happen to me that broke my heart and broke my spirit. So after years and years, eventually Didi's mom found out. And she found out about a particular man that her father was allowing. And she said to her husband, something is happening. I think our daughter is being trafficked out. Well, she didn't know that dad was the source of the problem. So he warned this particular person, and the cops were unsuccessful in, in reaching the, this guy. From 4 to 18, this happened to this young lady. Now, as you know, she left the house, but she was not free. She was free, in a sense, from her dad's household, but she was not free because she involved herself in relationships where she was constantly being abused. And it happened over and over until she had met some people that tried to get her on a transformation track where she would eventually learn how to forgive her father. And you wonder, where could she have the strength to do that? Somebody who let other people use her in that kind of way for 14 years. How could she do it? But she went through therapy and her own, what she calls heart work, on her journey to heal, to transform. Currently, she is married with two children. 
And she is an activist and the treasurer of a group called Crowns of Hope, um, which is a Texas-based nonprofit about, that helps transform lives of victims of trafficking, of human trafficking. And she says this, which I think is, is just evident of, of the transformation that happened in, in her life. She said, I love being able to share the story of forgiveness against our perpetrators. I don't have to reconcile, but I can forgive and let go and, and no longer be enchained by them. Once I forgive, I am free, and that's who I am meant to be. You are meant to be free. And what that means is transformed. You are meant to no longer be held outside by captors and perpetrators, nor inside the church. You are to be transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. And that is gospel. And this is the story of Galatians.